Sashin Patel is my guest today, and he's most notably a father, husband, philanthropist, uh, functional medicine practitioner, and a, and a doctor in chiropractic care. His philosophy is very simple. The doctor of the future is the patient, and he's actively doing whatever it takes to keep people out of the medical system, empower them through education, self-care, and remapping their mindset. Dr. Patel has focused the last almost three years on the power of breathing through intense workshops and education on breathing and what I would call breathing medicine. On this podcast, we went through his journey or the journey of what is breathing? Why is it so important? Other than just living, how can we use it to keep us uh, optimally well and optimally functioning well? Um, what's How can we stimulate uh, the sympathetic nervous system so when we want to amp it up so we can perform better, what do we do? What do we do when we try to slow things down and relax our nervous system, which is really important to keep us uh, calm and to keep our prostate calm, calm, our bladder calm. What do we do? How do we do it? So with this conver in this conversation with Sachin, we, we go deeply into breathing. Why is it important? And what do we do to improve our breathing and to optimize our health? My conversation with Dr. Sachin Patel on the power of breathing. Let's go. Welcome to the Dr. Geo podcast. I am your host, Dr. Geo, where it is my goal to help you with your prostate health and how to live better with age. Sashin, thanks so much for being here. People uh, know a bit about you from the intro. Uh, it's such a pleasure. You know, we were at an event uh, recently, and um, I, I know of your work. Um, as a functional medicine doctor uh, out in Canada. But then it's like this whole breathing thing that you can't, I was like, wait a minute. I, am, I, I thought I was, I thought, I thought I knew my guy. Uh, and and you, you really have, but you've taken a deep dive into probably the power of breathing. And I want to take it further to perhaps the medicinal property properties of breathing. Uh, I'm going to go on a limb there. So why, you know, I did read um, the book, James Nestor's book on breath, and it's just so powerful, right? So it's, so it's the lost art of this, you know, scientific method of keeping well and, and is overlooked. There's no question about it that it's mm -hmm. overlooked. We don't know how to breathe. I mentioned to you before the recording that hell, may, with many of my patients with prostate problems and urinary problems, we start with, hey, this is how you need to breathe to relax that muscle in your prostate so you can pee better. So let's take it at a fundamental point here. We all we think we know what breathing is, but we may not. What is breathing and, and why is it so important other than just obviously we will be dead, but beyond that? Yeah, you know, thank you, Gio, for this uh, amazing opportunity to share with your community. And, and as I said before we started recording, there's been people that have been doing this for thousands and thousands of years across mm. billions and billions of lives. And, you know, for whatever reason, it felt, kind of fell into my lap, so to speak, to learn about this. It was kind of consequential just going to Wim Hof training. And mm. since then, once I experienced the magic for myself, I'm like, hey, this is something that very few practitioners are talking about. I know I didn't learn much about, 
you know, uh, how breathing can be used as, as medicine, so to speak. Uh, all I learned about was the physiology of breathing. And of course, why we breathe is to bring in oxygen to our tissues, remove uh, carbon dioxide. But why we also breathe is to create a lymphatic uh, pump with our diaphragm. So our diaphragm helps us move lymph. And we can also breathe not just for physical uh, enlightenment, but also for spiritual enlightenment. And we can also breathe to help us improve our, our mood and our focus and our clarity. I mean, so breath is, is really uh, not just a medicine, but it's a tool that we can use in varying situations in our lives. Mm. Breath is, you know, our lung capacity, for example, is the greatest predictor of lifespan. So Interesting. How so? so uh, well, think about, the, think about it this way. If you don't breathe for just a few minutes, uh, you basically die. Yep. Right. So when our, as our lung capacity dwindles, our ability to have this exchange of oxygen and, and fuel our healing processes becomes compromised because we're just not able to take adequate uh, air in. And then eventually the last thing we do is we take that last breath and then all the systems start shutting down. So how we Backwards. breathe plays such a crucial role. And there, you know, the thing with breathing is that it, it's, it's that one lead domino that knocks down so many other dominoes automatically. So we can have a, a very powerful downstream effect mm -hmm. by doing one thing that we're already doing. We all breathe, but we may not breathe consciously or we may not breathe intentionally to create an effect in our body that we may not realize we have control over. So many people may not realize that they have control over their body temperature through their breath. They have control mm. over their heart rate through their breath. They have regulatory uh uh, control over their immune system. Wim Hof proved this many, many times with yeah. not just himself as a freak of nature, but even his students, uh, you know, when they injected E. coli into their bloodstream, they, their immune system was able to handle it and, and uh, almost had no effect on them. So and was that without uh, cold water therapy? Because I know that's his other big thing. Yeah, I, I believe it was a combination of breathing techniques and cold therapy. And the two uh, really go hand in hand. So we can actually use our breath to override the stress response. And that's what cold therapy can be helpful for is not just its anti-inflammatory benefits, but when we put ourselves in a state of, uh, of stress and shock like that, our body wants to be in a fight or flight state. However, sure. our mind, we can regulate and the tool that we use to regulate our body uh, so it doesn't freak out and to stay calm is our breath. Sure. So, so it's the one conscious thing that we can do that has such a profound effect on our health. And so no one's talking about this. Uh, I know. No one is, <laughs> and, and, and I, I don't want to give myself too much credit. I do talk about it with my patients, but really at a basic level, which I think it's helpful, right? As it relates to urinary problems. And the only reason I did that, right, is because, okay, we'll figure out how, you know, the nervous system affects the prostate and things like that. So let's calm the, the nervous system, right? Central nervous system. And I said, well, you know, meditation, right? So you look at all these meditative techniques, whether it's Qigong or, uh, or, uh, or uh, you know, transcendental meditation. And I, all I said was to myself, Okay, what's the common denominator here? Mm -hmm. Breathing. Mm -hmm. They all have different approaches, and di but they all have one thing in common. They all it's all deep diaphragmatic breathing. So that there has to be, you know, as a New Yorker, <laughs> it's like, okay, give me the quick takeaways. I don't have time. I'm not going to the Himalayas for three hours. Maybe I should, but that's <laughs> not happening. What's the minimal effective dose where I could get maximal, you know, results? It's, it's kind of the way I've always thought of it. And again, mm -hmm. very New York mentality. Um, so it, it, it's breathing. It was like, oh, wow. It's like, voila. It's like an aha moment. 
am I right <clears throat> by saying this? You look at a two-year-old, three-year-old kid, they breathe perfectly, in my opinion. Then we kind of learn how to breathe imperfectly with time, right? And it's this is just pure observation, never wrote a study on this or anything. Is, is, is that more or less right? So you look at a newborn, my God, it's beautiful, right, the way they breathe. Even a two-year-old, three-year-old. Then with time, it's like, you know, we don't breathe diaphragmatically. We breathe a lot through our mouths and things that we're going to talk about why the importance of that. Is that just my observation that's false or is that a true um, scenario where, yeah, they, they do breathe well? With, you know, maybe we learn how to breathe unwell mm -hmm. um, with time. Well, there's a there's a few things at play there, so you're you're definitely on the right track. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm going to go back to earlier in that child's life, uh, because how we breathe is is very much affected by our facial structure, and our facial structure is very much affected by the foods that we eat, the orifice that we breathe through, and if we're breastfed or not. Mm -hmm. So, if children are not breastfed, their facial development is not the same as a child who's drinking from a nipple. Wow. So there's that, the facial structure changes. If a child is breathing through their mouth and their tongue is not sitting in the roof of their mouth, that changes their facial structure because what the tongue does is it kind of acts as a spacer to allow the upper palate to push outwards. Nothing else pushes the upper palate outwards. There's no forces counteracting the inward force of, of the teeth growing in. So the tongue must be placed in the right position. Hmm. Many children nowadays may have tongue ties. And so if the tongue doesn't sit in the roof of the mouth, one of the things that happens when the tongue sits in the roof of the mouth is that instantly soothes us. So if somebody's feeling stress and, and anxiety, the first thing I would tell them to do is put your tongue at the roof of your mouth. It's a relaxation button. However, if children have a tongue tie or they're open mouth breathers, their tongue doesn't sit in the roof of their mouth. If they're incapable of putting their tongue at the roof of their mouth because of a tongue tie, they will use a spacer like their thumb or a pacifier to soothe them. And this is why they feel instantly soothed because they're pushing on that magic button at the roof of their mouth. What, what's there? Is that an acupuncture point? Is that what, what's there that is so powerful? And, and how hard, how much pressure? Is it a light push with your tongue if, or is it a hard push? Uh, how, how should one do it? And let's assume that, you know, many people or however many people that are listening, perhaps we're not breastfed. So then we have to put more attention into this. So how do we do that? Yeah. So it, to, to go back to your original question, the answer <laughs> is, I don't know. So in, in yoga, uh, we refer to that as a mudra point, right? So a mudra it, it point. Kind of, yeah. So it kind of closes an energetic circuit in the body. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if in Chinese medicine or in other forms of, of medicine, like acupressure, if that's an actual actu acupressure point, I, I can't imagine. So. I, I trained in uh, TCM uh, and I, maybe I missed that class, but I don't, I don't remember that. It's yeah. there's a close points, but not inside that I know of. Yeah. Anyway. So, so, so maybe it's because our tongue is always supposed to be sitting in that position. Mm. Uh, so what ends up happening is when, when children use a pacifier or they use their thumb, you'll notice your, your thumb is very narrow. Mm hmm and if we're creating this sucking pressure, this upward pressure, it's causing a narrow, further narrowing of that palate. Mm -hmm. So now that child has a very narrow palate, which makes it even more likely that they're going to mouth breathe because if they try to breathe through their nose, they're going to face a lot of resistance. Interesting. Now, the consequence of that is that their jaw, upper jaw doesn't form correctly. Their airways don't form correctly. They're more prone to sinus infections, more prone to allergies, more prone to stuffiness. And, and so then there's a cascading effect of that because then they are more likely to be mouth breathers. The consequence of being a mouth breather 
is that it's the number one cause of cavities because it dries out our saliva, concentrates a bacteria that is detrimental to our enamel, uh, more so than sugar, believe it or not. So sugar doesn't help. It's like adding gasoline to a fire, but mouth breathing is one of the most terrible things that we can do. It also, uh, when we breathe through our mouth, we get 20% less oxygen because we're not pressurizing the air. So when you breathe through your nose, you actually get more oxygen being delivered to the alveoli because the nose pressurizes the air. The other consequence of mouth breathing is that uh, the teeth don't form correctly. And, and so that's obviously a problem. When, we, when children start eating, especially when they start eating their first solids, we don't recommend solids until their teeth start breaking through the surface because that means their mm. gut is healing. And what do they do? They feed their children pureed foods. And these pureed foods don't stimulate the jaw to form, further exacerbating this narrow uh, palate and, and weak jaw formation. So our jaw structure has changed dramatically over thousands of years because of, not because just of malnourishment, right? So Weston A. Price talks about this, but also because of the sheer forces and the lack of forces that are being delivered into the jaw. And so this is why children have to have multiple teeth removed. This is why many adults, including myself, had to have their wisdom teeth removed. I'm like, how could I be designing the image of perfection and have too many teeth? Like, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. That's right. Right. So what I have and what many people have is a, is a small jaw. And so even healthy food, like drinking a smoothie, for example, there's no, there's no forces that are being delivered to the jaw. The average human being, our ancestors used to chew four hours a day. So if you want to be like your Paleolithic ancestors, you know, having a meal, taking maybe 15, 20 minutes to chew it, which is on a good day for most people, that's only 60 minutes 15, of chewing. 15, 20 minutes to chew or 15, 20 seconds to chew? Uh, well, I'm saying total. Just I'm being very oh. generous here. Okay. Right? So okay. that's, I, that's thought was, a, I thought it was with one mouthful. I was like, <laughs> man, that's you really breaking down that food for <laughs> chewing for 20 minutes. Yeah, three-hour meals. Yeah. Yeah. So many people, they don't really get stimulus of their jaw. And because of that, they, that's one of the reasons people develop TMJ. That's one of the reasons they develop respiratory issues. It's one of the reasons they become mouth breathers wow. and they use other things to soothe them, right? So they might use alcohol to soothe them when really they just need to yeah. put their tongue at the roof of their mouth and breathe correctly. Wow. Uh, we're going to get into that for sure. Uh, just, and, and, you know, most of our audience are middle-aged men or you know men over 30, but I think they they have children or they mm-hmm. have grandchildren. So the breastfeeding component, we all know is good for many reasons. I didn't, I certainly didn't know there was a connection between that and the structure of their mouth and uh, how they breathe. That's fascinating. Any idea how long? So I, I'm always thinking holistic, but realistic, right? Based on, uh, uh, based on, uh, you know, how the world works, uh, based on where we live, based on all these things. How long uh, do, does a mom need to breastfeed for? And I know moms breastfeed till three years old, but others are like, look, I need to get back to work and things like that. Any idea how long is that time that is required for the mom to breastfeed? Oh, my so God. that there's benefit. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know how to answer that question. Yeah. Uh, aside from as long as you possibly can. Yeah. Right. right. I mean, I, I know that this is uh, sometimes challenging for, for us to share and like, especially as a male, like, I don't know what that yeah. experience is like, <laughs> exactly. but I, but I do know that, yeah. you know, I, I cheered my wife along uh, to breastfeed as long as she, she possibly could. And, and a lot of times a child will wean themselves off. They'll kind of innately know that, okay, I've had enough. 
But I've seen people, you know, I've heard of stories and case studies yeah. of children breastfeeding, you know, well past five. Yeah, so, exactly. So I don't know what the right answer is, but I, yeah. I think the most correct answer is as long as you possibly can. Yeah, I think so too. And, and, you know, three months is better than nothing. Six months is better than three and so on, I would mm -hmm. think. And, um, you know, who knows, but this is certainly fascinating. Um, <clears throat> you talk a lot about, um, just not breathing through your mouth, breathing through your nose. Um, hey, CL, I think you posted something I, I, on, you know, I, I'm not that interactive on social media, but I saw you uh, put, you know, friends don't let friends breathe through their mouth, <laughs> 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 which I thought it was hilarious. Um, <clears throat> what are the, ex so what are the exceptions to that? When people ask me, okay, well, how do I breathe? When I do these diaphragmatic breathing exercises, how do I do it? Right. Can I, does it matter what orifice I use? And my response is, when I've spoken to meditators and people who um, this is sort of what they do, they've said, uh, you know, the hole doesn't matter. Use whatever hole. And I was like that. Well, okay, maybe. And I think they're just trying to make it easy. And they just want to get people to start meditating and breathing mm -hmm. prop and just breathing deeply. But when I look at all the meditators, they breathe in through their nose, they inhale through their nose and they exhale out their mouth. Is that the right way to do it? Yeah. So, you know, uh, it, de it depends. So the answer is depends. It depends on what you're trying to do. So in my opinion, and from what I've learned over the years is that I like to think of three different gears of breathing. So yeah. our, our breathing should always match our physiological state that we want to be in and our mental and emotional state that we want to be in. So if we're getting into a meditative state and we want to have uh, a more relaxed mind, we want to have a more uh, calm body then mm -hmm. the physiology of breathing in through our nose and out through our nose is what I would consider the best, you know, uh, form of breathing. If you are going to breathe through our nose and out through our nose for a relaxed state. Correct. Yeah. And okay. there's different, there's different cadences and, and we can certainly talk about that. Sure. Uh, my favorite cadence is the coherence, uh, breathing, which is five and a half seconds to six seconds in and five and a half to six seconds out. So many prayers, uh, ancient prayers, for example, um, are set to this harmony. So they're set to this cadence. And when you study functional MRIs of people who are breathing in this pattern, you see mm. their heart and brain and coherence. You see their, um, you know, um, their brain in a very relaxed and focused state. You see that there is increased oxygenation to their brain. So there's really a physiological change that's happening, measurable change that's happening in people when they mm. breathe at that cadence. So that's the the primary cadence that we suggest people breathe at when uh, we are, if we are going to breathe through our mouth, I think of the mouth as an exhaust. So think of the nose as an intake and think of the mouth as an exhaust. Um, that's probably, you know, in certain states, in certain conditions, you may need to um, exhale rapidly and you may want to use that breathing technique uh, in the elemental rhythm breathing technique that we use. The one that you experienced, we had people breathing in through their nose and out through their mouth because we want to move a lot of air. That's our intention. But if you're mm -hmm. sitting at your desk doing work, or if you're trying to meditate, or you're reading a book, you want to breathe in and out gently through your nose. The person sitting next to, next to you should not be able to perceive your breathing. It should be quiet and still, almost like you're, think of your diaphragm like a little pond. You're trying to still the pond, right? We're not mm -hmm. trying to ruffle, uh, create a lot of ripples in there. We're just trying to breathe as, as little as we possibly can. Believe it or not, the best breathing technique is to breathe as little as possible, not as much as possible. Interesting. And then the, 
And then the How third many game- breaths per minute you think that it's a good amount where it's it's considered healthy breathing. Yeah, so if you're doing this five and a half second cadence, it's about five and a half breaths per minute. So it kind of works, so the math kind of magically works out that way. So if you're doing, you know, six second breaths in and out, then that's about five breaths per minute. So that's, that's kind of um, a, a great goal for most people to have. Many people breathe That's under twice normal as much as situations. That. You're in, you're you're not being active. You're not intentionally breathing for meditative purposes. Under normal circumstances, you're on your desk, you know, with family, whatever. Um, five in, five out, roughly. Five and a half to six seconds in. I mean, let's say five to seven, somewhere in there. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, those details aren't as important. It's more so that range that uh, seems to work well for people. I try to breathe okay. like that even when I'm exercising. So, Interesting, uh, because here's here's the cool thing that happens, and this is paradoxical. The less we breathe, the more oxygen we deliver to the tissue. So, out of every breath we take, what blows my mind is with every breath you take, there is more molecules of oxygen in that breath than there are grains of sand on the planet. And you can look it up; wow. it's insane. So, we're breathing in all this uh, oxygen. Huh. Each molecule, yeah. each red blood cell carries a billion molecules of oxygen. So this is the scale that we're talking at, right? It's quite yeah. fascinating when you think about yeah. it. We have 27 trillion red blood cells, I believe, somewhere in that ballpark. Mm. So every time we take a breath in, uh, we're only actually absorbing and exchanging about 25% of the oxygen. Mm. However, if we were to breathe in and hold that breath, there's still oxygen that our lungs can extract uh, you know, from that breath. So we can literally slow our breath down to a quarter of what it is, and it's not going to affect our oxygen saturation levels. And you can put a pulse ox on your finger and you'll see the same thing. Now, it might feel uncomfortable to do that. And the reason it feels uncomfortable is because our urgency to breathe doesn't come from wanting more oxygen. Our urgency to breathe comes from not being able to tolerate those CO2 levels. So uh, the carbon dioxide in the, in the body, yeah, that becomes right. toxic. Yeah. yeah, so our body is like, it's it has to adapt to that uncomfortableness and mm. if you can get past the, some of that threshold it's amazing what can happen uh, but it doesn't affect your spo2 so you can get on a bike and breathe slower push yourself harder and you'll see that your your tissue still remains oxygenated wow fascinating <clears throat> all right normal circumstances five to seven um, uh, uh, seconds inhalation, in, uh, inhalation, breathing in, mm-hmm. and five to seven seconds breathing out, and and perhaps we could train ourselves now that we could do it more intentionally mm-hmm. and train ourselves to do so. And all that breathing in and out should be only from your nose. Correct. Let's take it to the next uh, step. Um, meditative. Pro- so I want to calm down my nervous system, right? So I'm, I'm, you know, uh, I'm constantly stimulated with you know, issues, problems. That, you know, the world is different. Forty uh, Second Street and Times Square is just a lot going on there, right? <laughs> so I need to calm down my nervous system. What's the best method of doing that? The way, again, a way I, I, what I thought, and maybe I'll change my tune after this conversation is the stimulation of the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the nervous system of the central nervous system that calms you down, is occurs during exhalation, not as much during inhalation. So what I prescribe uh, patients and what I tell people to do is, you know, four in, hold for four, eight out. Mm-hmm. 
I am ready. I don't have an ego here. I am ready for you to tell me, Gio, you got it all wrong, and this is the way you need to do it. It's okay. But is that the right approach? Again, more as a meditative process, more as calming down the nervous system, and what's the minimal effective dose with that? Yeah, great question. And, and you're actually making a great suggestion. So anything that lengthens the exhale for the individual is going to put their body into a more parasympathetic state. So even mm-hmm. something like box breathing, which has a very similar cadence to what you described, four seconds in, four second hold, four second exhale, four second hold on empty, and then you repeat that pattern over and over again. Typically about five minutes is, is a good for most people, you know, if, if they're novice at this, for most people, that's going to really create a huge shift uh, in their physiology. It's going to, they're going to feel totally different. There are ways to uh, further exaggerate and exacerbate the effects uh, if somebody's trying to shift their physiological state. So I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you three different techniques that can be helpful. Uh, the first one is called a physiologic sigh. So this is actually probably one of the most powerful ways to shift your body from sympathetic dominance to uh, parasympathetic, um, not dominance, but in, in a more balanced parasympathetic state. And so basically you would take a deep breath in all the way in through your nose. And at the very top, you would sip some extra air. So it'd be, and then on the exhale, you would exhale with an audible sigh. And Not doing- necessarily for five seconds, four seconds, eight seconds, you just exhale on an audible side. So you make, right. meaning what? Meaning you make a noise, you make a sound. Correct. So just empty your lungs and yeah. you would do that three to five times. And literally within a minute, people feel totally different. Okay. Can you, so, can you do that uh, just one time so that we know what yep. to do? Yeah. <sighs> That's simple. Great. So So what just happened here for those that are not able to see you is you inhaled for about four seconds and then you kind of inhaled quickly for two or three times more. You held it for about four seconds and on exhalation out through your mouth, I think I saw uh, you, it was audible. So you created a sound upon exhalation and that approach seems to be more uh, uh, stimulate the parasympathetic uh, system. Right. So we kind of do this innately. When we feel a sense of relief, what do we do? We sigh, uh-huh. right? And, uh, and, and so we're actually yeah. leaning into this. So this is actually a built-in mechanism that we have. However, we're using it after the fact, after we feel that sense of relief. Uh, but what if we wanted to feel a sense of relief because we're not solving a problem, we're just going to eat lunch, right? We can tap into that physiology and that, and that kind of reflex, if you will, by simply being intentional and doing that three to five times. Another great technique that great. we can use- Thank you is uh, called Brahmari breath or bumblebee breath. It's often referred to as. So in bumblebee breath, you would take a deep breath in, nice uh, breath in through the nose, and you would hold at the top for as long as you feel comfortable. And that could be 20 seconds, 30 seconds, whatever feels right at that time. And then on the exhale, with your tongue at the roof of your mouth, you would try to uh, hum as loud as you can, focusing on your nasal cavity, really trying to vibrate the inside of your skull So this helps with uh, stimulating the pineal gland and the hypothalamus, and it also stimulates the vagus nerve because we're getting a mechanical stimulation of the vagus nerve when you're humming uh, as loud as you are. So that would be as loud as you can and as long as you can exhale with with the humming sound that you're making. So what's the the physiological benefit when you're stimulating the pineal gland and hypothalamus? What's the physiological benefit that the person would experience? 
Yeah. So the pineal gland is, is, uh, where we make melatonin. Uh, it's mm -hmm. also what some people consider our antenna, our connection to source, and, mm -hmm. uh, it can get calcified over time. The hypothalamus is our master gland. So it helps regulate our pituitary, our adrenals, our thyroid, our, our, our sexual organs are regulated and hormones are regulated by our hypothalamus. So it plays a, a crucial role in, in metabolic function and regulatory function in our body. The main thing that we're trying to do is we're trying to center and channel that force, that vibrational force into our nasal cavity, because what that does is it stimulates the mucosa in the nasal, uh, that line the nasal cavity to make nitric oxide. And nitric oxide, as, as many of your listeners might know, plays a crucial role in blood pressure. Nitric oxide kills viruses and bacteria on contact. That's why uh, we make it in our nose so we can breathe through our nose and, and kill viruses and bacteria that enter that don't belong there. And nitric oxide also helps with microcirculation, which of course your viewers would be very familiar with is, is the very basis happy to hear. Yeah. Is the basis of <laughs> drugs like Viagra. They help increase nitric oxide levels or recycle nitric oxide in, in this case, which will help just in case you don't know, or they don't know it will help with your erection. So <laughs> they're going to, they're going to be, uh, I, I know many listeners are going to be very, uh, very uh, excited to do this practice. Now I mean, you say you erect, oh, oh, it'll help my erections. Oh yeah. What do I do again? How do I do that? <laughs> you just, so um, can you repeat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can you repeat that again? What, how, how to do it? Yeah, uh, absolutely. This particular type. So, um, you know, use this, use this anywhere you feel comfortable. Um, yep. it, you're not going to like pass out or anything, but, uh, you know, use it, you know, don't use it while you're driving, but you can do this on a zoom call. You can do this, uh, when you're out in the woods, you can do this really from anywhere, but what you're going to do is you're going to take a nice deep breath in through the nose, sitting up in a comfortable position or standing or walking, whatever it is. And you're going to, uh, uh, exhale with a loud humming sound. So you're going to exhale through the nose, humming as loud as you can, and really trying to find what I call your facial frequency. So what really gets your whole skull to vibrate? And that sound is going to be a little bit different for you, Geo. It's going to be different for me and the person next to me, because our face has a slightly different structure to it. So that resonant frequency is what we're trying to kind of calibrate. And that's going to mm -hmm. wake up our mucosal membrane to increase nitric oxide production. And if you go to uh, PubMed, and you, you'll see studies that have been done that increase uh, that this type of breathing increases nitric oxide by fifteen hundred percent. Now, and what's the to, name of this type of breathing again? It's called uh, Brahmari breath. Is the traditional Brahmari name breath. for it, or some people okay. refer to it as Buzz breath or Bumblebee breath? Okay, great. Yeah, so men can just start humming, right? Humming in the shower, like humming on your drive sure. to work while you're walking. I would you say, you know, give a heads up to your family or your friends or whoever lives with you, your kids, to know, hey, I'll be humming as I'm taking a shower. So don't think <laughs> that I'm, I'm okay. Don't think there's anything crazy going on. I'm humming. And, yeah. and certainly the spouse should be very happy if there's those not nitric oxide benefits <laughs> in the microcirculation of the pelvic area. There you go. Um, uh, I love it, man. So mm -hmm. another, another like interest, so that that's another way to get our body into more relaxed state. So that long exhale stimulates the vagus nerve. Uh, we're lengthening that exhale as long as we can. So we're further stimulating the parasympathetic nervous system, kind of waking up that side of our ANS. The, uh, the third breath then could be the box breathing. And then I've got another one that I do that, uh, is a little bit more advanced, but it's, it's fun because you can just meet yourself where you're at. So I'll take a deep breath in. And then what I will do is I will slowly exhale through my nose. So I will exhale as slowly as I possibly can and I'll time myself. So it will be a great way for me to kind of measure and mark improvement over time. And it's a great insight into my metabolic 
state. So the longer I can exhale, the more calm I am, right? If I'm in fight or flight running around like crazy, it's going to be hard for me. The opposite. You know, it's going to be the yeah. opposite. So the longer I can exhale uh, then and, and literally time myself, I can, I can really put myself into uh, a relaxed state. And it's really fascinating, right? So uh, um, I remind- With sound or, or without sound? Uh, no, without sound. So it's imperceptible. So I could be doing it while somebody's sitting next to me and they wouldn't even know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're inhaling four seconds. Does it matter? I'm just inhaling you? fully. I think what matters more so is inhaling deeply and fully, really filling up the, you know, the lungs as much as you can uh, to try to get as much oxygen in as you possibly can. And that gives you uh, more oxygen to unload so you can exhale much longer. How, how long do you hold it for? Uh, you know, it's not about the hold at the top. It's more about the exhale. Yeah. So okay. you can hold it if you want to, but that's going to kind of work against your time because the CO2 concentration is going to start rising. Right. And so you exhaling and is your goal to exhale longer the more you do it? So you should you be able to, you know, if I'm a novice, uh, maybe my exhalation is five seconds. Uh, should I want to reach eight seconds and 10 seconds or does that matter? Yeah, the longer is better, but realize that you want to compare apples to apples. So yeah. don't compare your time. Um, if when you're just waking up in the morning to, you know, going and mowing the yard and then coming in and measuring yeah. your time because your your physical state is also going to be deterministic in how much oxygen is required and how much CO2 is building up. So if you're going to compare times and you want to compare apples to apples. So I'll do it a lot when I'm driving because I'm just mm. sitting there. And as long as I'm not stressed out or freaking out or anything, which is pretty rare, uh, it'll it'll be, you know, that's that's kind of a good baseline for me to use. Great. And so when inhalation uh, is the, the, the notion and what I've taught to people is when you inhale, your belly should go out. And when you exhale, your belly should go in. Is that still and your shoulders should stay still? They shouldn't. When you inhale, your shoulders should not go up. They should stay where they're at. Correct. Is that the right thing? Yeah. So we take about 23,000 breaths a day. And mm -hmm. if you ask most Buddhist monks, we breathe too much. So uh, we overbreathe, which leads to overeating, right? Because we're just stimulating our nervous system too much uh, in the wrong mm -hmm. way. The uh, so when we when we uh, breathe, we want to we want to kind of work from the bottom up. So imagine if somebody was pouring water into your lungs, right? Just as a as a physical representation of air, it would start filling up from the bottom and then work its way up. Mm. Our diaphragm has the ability to move about 12 inches, I'm sorry, uh, 12 centimeters. So eight to 12 centimeters is the full range of motion of the diaphragm. Your lungs can intake about anywhere from four, uh, five to seven, I'm sorry, four to six liters is the average lung capacity. The average breath is about 500 milliliters. So when we're breathing, just sitting there breathing, it, it will be relatively imperceptible. Right now, if I'm breathing intentionally, if somebody tells me, hey, we're doing some breathing exercises or I want you to take a deep breath in, which is an occasional part of your day, right? You're not going to be breathing fully with every single breath. That would be kind of strange. Right. I'd be right. taking like a, a, a full length stride every single step you take and walking like that. It would be there's right. times when that's appropriate. And but, you know, you're taking a half stride or quarter stride most of the time when you're walking. So your breathing should be in, imperceptible. So you might see a slight lift in the belly when somebody's sitting there next to you. Uh, definitely, you don't want to see them breathing in through their shoulders, but there's times when those tertiary muscles are, are necessary, right? So there's our primary muscle, which is our diaphragm. 
which by the way is referred to as the second heart. So we have the diaphragm, mm -hmm. we have the intercostal muscles, which help us breathe. And then we have the tertiary muscles, which are our shoulder muscles and neck muscles that can draw the ribs up to increase our lung capacity if we need to. Ideally, it, breathing should be almost imperceptible. And again, starting from the bottom and working our way up. Beautiful. So now we know how to relax our nervous system if if we're uptight or if we have a, a stressful meeting coming so that you're, you can actually, I mean, the benefits are definitely health related, but certainly even performance. Uh, mm -hmm. You're more relaxed to make better decisions and have a better meeting with, have better difficult conversations with people actually, be more centered as you do with children, with spouses, with bosses, with employees you're across the board. Um, so that is great. What if I want to do the opposite? I need to amp myself up. I'm kind of lethargic. I would assume is that if so, if deep breathing with a long exhalation is the solution for, to stimulate the parasympathetic and relax my system, I have to assume that the opposite will amp me up and get me going. Is that true? And if so, what do we do? Yeah, that is uh, absolutely true. And uh, you said something. I want you to hold this thought. You said something that mm -hmm. I really want to touch on because um, you talked about children. And mm. I want to remind everyone that laughing is breath work. Laughing is one of the greatest stimulations of your diaphragm. And the reason we know that it is, is because your vagus, um, I'm sorry, it's the greatest stimulation of your diaphragm and your vagus nerve. And the reason mm. we know it is, is because typically when we laugh, if we laugh hard enough, we start crying. And because we're crying, it means that we're stimulated because the, the part of our brainstem that's responsible for tear production is right next to where the vagus nerve inserts on the brainstem. Mm. And so if we, if we stimulate our vagus nerve just the right amount, we'll start tearing up. This is why if you gag yourself, you tear. This is why if you gargle strongly enough, you start to tear. This is why when you laugh, you tear. Another form of mm. breath work that may pop up for children is crying. So crying is also a form of breath work. So this is why children you'll find, uh, or even adults when they're crying, they can't seem to catch their breath. And what their body's trying to do is, I mean, it's really stimulating. It's such a strong stimulus to the vagus nerve that it's actually the crying is helping them relax. So when parents mm -hmm. tell their kids to stop crying, they're actually prolonging the process. They're not allowing the body's innate mechanism to put the body into that relaxed state so that they can wow. slow down and calm down. So you know, make sure your kids are laughing every day, laughing to tears as a bonus. Make sure that if they're crying, that let them, let them cry, right? Let them let release them those out. emotions because otherwise they store it in their somatic body, which shows up when they're adults like me and you, and, and they've got stuff that, you know, suppressed. And then for we have to lifetime. pay for, uh, uh, you know, we have to pay expensive dollars, you know, big dollars for therapy as a result yeah. of <laughs> exactly our childhood uh, trauma and uh, and so forth. It's fascinating. I'm gonna uh, do a podcast on fathering for Father's Day, and mm. um, th that I'm maybe in, um, figure out how to implement that component because I, I people just don't know this. I also got Ben Greenfield's book on on parenting which is amazing actually and kind of my own ideas and my own successes and failures so <laughs> i'll definitely i'll definitely implement that thank goodness i'm not um you know as a cuban guy i let my my son cry it's not a machismo thing at all it's like no buddy let it out it's okay that just comes innately um but thanks for that i appreciate that yeah um, you know animals in the wild when they experience a traumatic situation like if they're chased mm. by an, an animal and they survive they actually find a safe space and they go into convulsions and hyperventilation. 
almost like a mm-hmm. child is where they can't catch their breath when they're crying. Um, so that's mm-hmm. actually the way they release those emotions. So it doesn't get, you know, all tangled up in their fascia as uh, as an adult. Fascinating. All right. I need to amp up. I need to perform. I need to increase. I need, I need to stimulate my sympathetic nervous mm-hmm. system. Well, how do I do that? Yeah, breathing? So there's, uh, there's many ways, but there's two techniques that I'm happy to share. One of them is called yogic coffee. So if you've ever been to UPW, which is Tony Robbins event, you'll notice mm-hmm. that he does this. And, and this is from the art of living. And I'm sure they got it uh, from ancient yogis as well. But it's yep. basically really simple. So you start with your hands at your side like this sitting up in a nice comfortable position and you close into a gentle fist. Now what you would do, and I'll just walk through it and I can demo it. But what you'll do is you'll throw your hands up in the air, uh, opening up your fists at the top. So I'm throwing my hands up in the air like this. And then mm-hmm. as I come, I'm taking a forceful inhale through my nose as I do that. And then I do a, I come down rapidly and do a forceful exhale. So mm-hmm. it, it looks and sounds like this. And so all through your nose, all through my nose. And if somebody needs to do it through their mouth, certainly uh, they can Just make sure you blow your nose uh, before you do it. Just exactly. clear your nose out and, and, and uh, have people in front and, of you. And that'll, that'll be helpful. But this is called yogic yeah. coffee or Bakshrika breath, uh, bellows breath. It's also known as. So when you do this breathing technique, it's going to rapidly stimulate your sympathetic nervous system. Uh, what we encourage people to do is be mindful if they have high blood pressure or if they struggle with anxiety, because you're going to get a huge spike in adrenaline, noradrenaline when you do this. Okay. How long does the spike last? You know, good question. Do I need to do this every 30 minutes or, or will you do it once you're good for at least half of the day or how does that work? Yeah. You know, great question. I don't know what the half-life is of the benefit, but you know, if it's, you know, we recommend this to people who need caffeine in the afternoon but you know, don't want to drink coffee because it keeps them up at night or it just doesn't align with their health goals, this is a great alternative for them. We'll oftentimes also have people do this in the morning when they first get up, if they're feeling a little bit yeah. tired and let's say they're caffeine free or they, they don't want to have any external stimulations, then this is a great way to internally stimulate. If they have mm-hmm. hypertension, then they just want to, want, may want to be mindful if it's not under control because this, again, we're, we're creating a lot of force, especially because we're, mm-hmm. remember the, the heart sits on the diaphragm. So when that diaphragm is just going crazy right now, it's going to definitely increase our blood pressure. Sure. Um, how long do we do this for and how, or how many pumps do we do? Yeah, great question. I, call it pumps. So, I don't know if there's a name. <laughs> how many pumps do we do? Yeah, great yeah. question. So uh, you want to do it 30 times. You mm-hmm. want to rest for about 15 to 30 seconds between sets. And then you would repeat it two more times. So for a total of three times, and then just resting for 15 to 30 seconds in between each set. And it, uh, it, it does a trick. It gets, it gets people, some people might feel lightheaded when they first start doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. because you are hyperventilating, um, just to, just to make sure you're aware of your surroundings or seated versus standing or in a comfortable position and, uh, and give it a shot, try it out and see how it feels. And, and Hey, if you need to do more of it, it only takes a couple minutes to do it and you can give yourself another jolt of energy if you need to. I love it. What's the other one? You, I think you had one more. Yeah. So the other one is breath of fire. So very similar. Um, mm. and you may see, may be familiar with this from Kundalini, but basically mm-hmm. you're going to put your hands up like this, and you can use different mudras, uh, mm-hmm. you know, depending on th- your, your mood so that you're in. index finger to the thumb or the middle finger to the thumb or yep. ring finger, yep. index just, finger. Just like that. 
like everything is okay kind of everything's okay everything's awesome right and then you put your hands up like this and you don't have to put your hands up but it's it certainly makes for um, more effect and you get better benefit out of it and now you're going to breathe as fast as you can but what you're going to do is you're going to push you're going to exhale only uh, and and naturally let your diaphragm inhale for you. So there's no inhale portion. You're just exhaling and then naturally letting your diaphragm do the work. So it's it's kind of like this. And you may not hear that, but it's it's me breathing as fast as I can through my nose. But I'm not breathing in. I'm letting the breathe-in part happen passively. So that's known as breath of fire. Another way to do it is same position with your mouth. So you're just going to breathe in and out as fast as you can with your mouth like this. And essentially, you're breathing into the upper part of your throat. So you're not taking deep breaths. You're taking short, sharp, shallow breaths. Fascinating. Wow, that's great. Now... When we exercise, so let's say we do any type of exercise, let's say we run in, we're jogging or do an interval exercise or weightlifting or bicycling, whatever it is, should we want to, obviously at some point we have to breathe through our mouth and then eventually we can breathe through our nose depending on the intensity of the exercise. Should we aim to just breathe through our nose when we're exercising, even uh, despite the intensity that we may be exercising in? Yeah. So there's going to be times like my son plays basketball and, Mm. you know, he's 12. However, he's like a little master yogi breather compared to his peers because I'm sure would expect that (laughs) it's probably rare that uh, unlikely that other parents are teaching their children this. Uh, So I'm glad to be able to spread the word. The, uh, so there's going to be in an ideal scenario. So if you talk to James Nestor, I heard him say this, yep. and I thought it was quite uh, interesting as a concept. And he said mm-hmm. that once you have uh, lost the ability to maintain breathing through your nose during a workout, you've reached your upper metabolic capability because, hmm. because now you're not able to keep up with your demands using your breath. Right. So now we're mm. going to, it's just like our, our breathing, we have a f- breathing form, right. And that breathing form is now breaking down just like yeah. we have a physical form, right? So if you're doing a squat and your form is breaking down, okay, it's, it's time to stop. Can you keep pushing through? Yeah, you can. Are you more likely to get hurt? Absolutely. So right. same thing with breathing. So if we're, it's, it's going to feel weird at first, right. To, you know, some people will use mouth tape while they work out. Some people wear appliances to ensure that they breathe through their mouth. You can just, you know, just breathe through your nose. I'm sorry, uh, to breathe through their nose. So you can just breathe through your nose consciously um, and just try to do that as much as you can. And sometimes you might catch yourself breathing through your mouth and just bring your awareness back. Slowing down your breath will actually increase oxygenation and speed up your recovery in between sets. So it's, you know, we have to understand how the physiology works uh, so that we can override the mental aspect. We can override the uncomfortableness to actually gain a benefit. So, you know, if we can, you know, first gear is breathing in and out through the nose. Second gear is in through the nose, out through the mouth. And then when you're in all out sprints, right. And you just, uh, you know, have to have to move as fast as you can, then in and out through the mouth is going to be what most people end up doing. And then do you, do you want to get back to only nose breathing as soon as possible? Is that the goal? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
So what would your son do in the middle of a basketball game? Like what 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 does that look like? So it's a middle of, you know, it's it's it, it, it the heat is on. Uh no pun intended, Miami Heat <laughs> and all that now and in the, in the in the championship game against uh, the Nuggets. Um the heat is on. Stress is higher. Stress level is higher. I would. I, I can have a I have a picture in my head. Your son being like in a Zen state. Everybody's freaking out. He's in a Zen state, really re- like relaxed, ready to take care of business. That's what I would imagine mm-hmm. happens. What is he doing? What kind of breathing is he doing to 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 make that happen and have an effect on the on the mind? Right, because that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, all, everything's chaotic. But I, I call it with my daughters when I played soccer. I call it calm intensity. So intensity. You still have to play. The heat is on, but you look calm. You're in a calm state. What does that look like? Yeah, so you bring up a great uh, set of words, intensity and and focus, right, mm-hmm. uh, and, and calmness. So the more calm we are, the more focused we can be, which means we can have more intensity, just like the sun's rays. If I take a magnifying glass, I can, I can concentrate all that sunlight coming into the glass into one focal point, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's calm yet intense at the same time. Doesn't make any noise. It's just concentrating right. all that st- all that energy, and, right. and lighting a fire. So the the more we can stay calm, the better we are at decision making. The better sure. we are at uh, responding to a situation instead of reacting to a situation. The better we are at being able to to see what's happening on the court or what's happening on the field. And we're just in a in a state where we perform better. So the way it looks like for him, and it, it's really, there's, there's two things. Cause you'll see me on the sidelines and I'll just be doing this. This is our cue. So you point at your nose. Yeah. So if I, if I bust him for not breathing through his nose, uh, you know, then I'll just, I'll just do this and he knows, right. Cause oh, you know, we, it's almost like baseball, right? You give him a sign. It's yeah. fun. <laughs> you know, you give it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So it's I just, I could communicate with him from across the court yeah, without having to say exactly. anything. Right. Exactly. And then he just brings, he tries to bring his breath back to where it needs to be. And, and that's the only thing I critique him on. I don't, he's a, he's, so it's not a matter of, you know, X amount of inhalations versus exhalations. It's just breathe through your nose. Yeah. And we do breath work going into the game. So on the drive there, we'll do some breathing exercises, uh, to, to help him, you know, kind of regulate his, his uh, nervous system. And part of it too, is how we breathe when we're not in a state of performance. So in our resting state carries over into how we breathe when we are in a performance state right? It carries mm-hmm. over into how we breathe at night. So if somebody mm-hmm. wants to breathe better, better while they're playing sports or while they're exercising, well, it starts by bre- breathing better when you're not doing those things and really wiring it into your unconscious. Like if we can unconsciously breathe well, then that's a huge, huge boost sure. in our health and met- metabolic function. Makes sense. So what's the breathing exercise on your way to the game? Is it stimulating the sympathetic or the parasympathetic? No, we're trying to stimulate the parasympathetic. Uh, yeah. Just to get him amped up, right, and take that yeah. nervous energy and and uh, turn it into, uh, 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 you know, turn it into something that's going to serve him, right. So he's got right. the chemistry of of sympathetic. So let's just lean into that and dissipate some of that excess uh, using our breath and using movement, and then we'll do some humming breath as well to increase nitric oxide because we want better blood flow and moving around and running around increases nitric oxide. I understand that as well. Uh, he also takes supplemental. Uh, products like he takes something called C60, which is a powerful antioxidant. Uh, so he takes C60. Okay. Yeah. So he takes that. That uh, actually helps at the mitochondria. So it helps uh, yeah. with the free radical production that takes place in the mitochondria. So again, 
uh, he's able to he's able to um, breathe better because we're addressing his inner physiology and then we're addressing his breathing mechanics and then raising awareness. I think that I think it's all I can ask is is that I raise awareness and then you know we we encourage him to breathe like he mouth tapes at night for example. Um, he you know he's always coming back to his breath. He I've given him permission to bust me if I'm ever breathing through my mouth or, you know, sometimes I'll be doing yard work or garden work and I'll be breathing through my mouth and, and he'll catch He's me. He's pointing like, at his nose. He'll be like that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Lastly, uh, uh, Sasha, and man, thanks. So this is a, this is a game changer. It really is. Uh, uh, what you're doing and the work you're doing and with breathing and, and through the power of, 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 of breathing is is amazing so thank you so much my last question is we know sleep is important and every you know matthew walker everybody's talking about hey sleep is important right Mm -hmm. but no one is talking about the breathing that happens while you're sleeping and the importance of that people talk about sleep apnea and things like that but just at that level and then go get tested and maybe a cpap how should we be breathing as we sleep to get optimal sleep? And what do we need to do? Are there practices and how can we train ourselves to breathe the best we can as you know, while we sleep? Oh man, I'm so glad you asked this. I was hoping you would ask me this because uh, it's, it's the, <laughs> it's, it's the rabbit hole I've been going down. Uh, you know, yeah. I work with just like you, I work with a lot of very uh, influential people, people who, mm-hmm. um, who are looking for that 1% edge or that 5% mm-hmm. edge. They may not be in disease states, but they want to be optimal. And the first yep. question I ask them is, okay, like we know all the things you're aware of, but how do you breathe at night while you're sleeping? And a lot of times I'll get the answer back. I snore, right. Or I don't sleep in the same room as my spouse because uh, I snore and it keeps her up at night. And, and it's like, it's so fascinating how many people I love and care about, including myself at one point, actually snore while we breathe. Now, snoring and apnea, they're, they're part of a spectrum of sleep disordered breathing. So apnea is when we literally uh, can't breathe. And for multiple seconds each night and hundreds of times each night, some people, you know, literally stop breathing. And uh, that's obviously not a good situation, but 65% of people mouth breathe while they sleep. So it's a safe bet, you know, because of two thirds of people mouth breathe while they sleep, there's an instant room for improvement. Uh, Mm -hmm. Mouth breathing leads to low nitric oxide production. Nitric uh, nitric oxide, as we said, has many benefits. Mouth breathing Mm -hmm. causes cavities. Mouth breathing has a diuretic effect on the body. So it makes us wake up more in the evening or at bedtime uh, to use the restroom, which can be frustrating for some people. They might do everything they can to avoid drinking late at night, drinking water, any beverages late at night, and they still have to wake up and use the bathroom. And it's probably because they're mouth breathing. So getting them to, you know, nasal breathe by using mouth tape at night can make a huge difference for them. We also have seen that when the dental, uh, you know, health changes, then we're more likely to have placking, more likely to develop cognitive issues like dementia. Uh, when we don't breathe correctly at night, it changes our, our cortisol levels. It changes our ability to, you know, uh, make adequate amounts of leptin so that we feel satiated when, when we eat. So it changes our food cravings and stuff the next day. Mm-hmm. We feel tired, you know, so there's a, cascade effect of of not snore of not breathing correctly at night and so uh, a few things that people can do and i'll, and I'll keep this brief because there's a, there could be a lot to unpack and and we, we're unpacking this for people as well uh, one is uh, the first thing people can do is mouth tape so getting 3m micropore tape or hostage tape i mean there's a bunch of different ones out there i like 3m micropore tape it's it's cheap you can get it at any pharmacy 
and you're just going to put a vertical piece like this. What that'll do mm -hmm. is it'll keep your mouth in a closed position. You know, so right in the center of your lips, so those that can't see you, um, uh, towards the bottom of your nose, down to the bottom, uh, a little bit beyond the bottom of your lip. Well, of your lower I, lip. I'm actually just putting it on my lips. So okay. it not so much in, I mean, some of it's going to get on my hair, because I have facial hair, uh, just like you, Doc, but, um, yeah. but it's more about my lips. So mm -hmm. okay. I don't need much. I just need about an inch. And at this point, it's just cueing me to keep my mouth closed. The second thing that people can do is they can sleep on their left side. So sleeping on your left side, left side. yes, uh, sleeping on your left side, especially if you had a late meal is going to be beneficial for you, but also that helps increase circulation. And the third thing people, why as opposed to the right side, uh, I'll have to look it could be, have to do with the way the circulatory system is set up. The heart's a little bit towards the left as an example. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think it has to, has to do with that, but, uh, I don't know okay. the exact, Just curious. The exact mechanism. Uh, so it does, uh, it has been shown to increase microcirculation. And the other mm. thing that we want people to do is make sure that they are uh, using the right type of pillow. So for me, if I don't use the right type of pillow, for me, it's a, it's a, a Talalay latex pillow. So Talalay latex is a natural material. There's no, you know, it's organic, if you will. And these type of pillows don't come, they, they're soft, but they don't compress like a memory foam pillow would or a wool pillow would, or a down uh, filled uh, pillow would. So they keep their shape and their composure. So you're not having to adjust it at night while you're sleeping. And it's very supportive mm -hmm. of somebody who's, who's sleeping on their side. The other thing that I would recommend, which we talk about in, in a course that we have is, is tongue exercises. So exercising your tongue, uh, strengthening mm -hmm. it and mobilizing it can be beneficial because the tongue is what collapses into the airway causing uh, restriction. There's also swallowing exercises that you can do to strengthen the airway so it's not collapsing um, as you're sleeping at night. And then one other thing that they can do is strengthen their diaphragm. So laying on your stomach for two to three minutes uh, each day, breathing into your belly is going to strengthen your diaphragm. Another thing that, can, that they can do is put a textbook on the back of on, on their stomach. Uh, laying on mm. their back, that will also uh, strengthen their diaphragm as well. Oh, interesting. Wow. Thank you so much, man. Wow. We, it's, it, I, feel, I, I feel like this is a master class, but I know that we kind of scratched the surface, but I think there's, a, there's enough takeaways here for me, for sure, and how to best deliver this information to patients and people in general and for people that are listening to take action and breathe better thank you um, at minimum i think that at least <clears throat> at least raising the awareness of the importance of breathing which i think that most people are just not doing is important session how can people find out more about your work your workshops courses and i will make sure to have uh, a link to your uh, on, on our show notes as well yeah there's actually a couple of ways so if they're interested in in general overall health and wellness you know breathing is one of the facets of what we cover uh, they can go to 30in30.org 30in30.org and there's a, a free uh, you know, 30 day video series that they get just short little one minute videos, one minute emails that give people healthy tips to cover the bases. And if you're somebody mm -hmm. who's interested in, in better nighttime breathing, we, we, we touched a little bit on snoring at the end. You can go to the simple snoring solution.com and there's a free guide and, and exercises that you can do to improve your snoring. I share the apps that I use. I share the products that I use. I share all the links and everything that you need to minimize or eliminate your snoring uh, within a week or so. Great. And is there a website? These All these websites are connected to you and your work? Yep. And they can also okay. find me on, on Facebook and Instagram as well.
and your Facebook um, uh, postings are amazing. Thank you. Uh, so, yes. I appreciate that. Um, great, man. Listen, thanks so much for being on, and thank you for your, gener- for your generosity with your time. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. Much love, and we'll talk soon. So much gratitude, my friend. I appreciate this opportunity, and, and thank you to all the listeners. I hope they found this valuable. I think they did. I think they did, and they will, for sure. Thanks, man. Be well. Our next sponsor partner has a product I use literally every day. I'm talking about AG1. You know, I've been using green powders mixed in drinks for a long time, and it has not always been a great experience, right? The powder clumps up a little bit. It tastes horrible, but you know what? You chug it anyway because it's good for you. AG1 changed the game. With In AG1, you have 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day the right way. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, and energy to help you recover and focus and help you age successfully. To make it easy, AG1 is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash Dr. Geo. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash Dr. Geo to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Dr. Geo podcast. You can watch all episodes of this podcast and much more by subscribing to my YouTube channel on youtube.com forward slash Geo Espinoza ND. If you love what you heard today, you can help by leaving a five-star review of the podcast on Apple and Spotify, as each review helps us reach more men who are serious about improving their urological health and how to function better with age. And for the latest research and actionable takeaways in the world of men's health and integrative urology, sign up for my newsletter at drgeo.com. I'll see you next time. And now for a brief disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only, and we're not forming a doctor-patient relationship through this medium. The use of the information and all links associated with this podcast is at the listener's risk and is not to replace medical advice from a physician or a healthcare practitioner. Lastly, Thoughts and opinions related to this podcast are my own and may not reflect the views of any institution or organization I'm associated with.